Welcome back to the Theology of the Buddy podcast, episode 34. You are in for a real treat this episode, as Chris and Mike candidly delve into the topic of music. They share a hilarious story from their vacation this summer and share the impact that good music has had on their lives and the impact that bad music can have. They also explore and offer a possible middle ground for trads who feel they cannot enjoy modern music. We hope you enjoy. All right. Welcome back to the Theology of the Buddy podcast, a podcast for cool people like me and my friend here, Mike. Say hello to the good people, Mike. Hello, good people. I don't know. Cool people might be a bit of an exaggeration, but nonetheless, here I am. (laughs) How are you, man? How you doing? How's it going, buddy? Good. 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 How's your week been? Uh, It's been pretty busy. Pretty busy, but uh, we did get out shopping today, which I gather you did as well. (laughs) I did quite a bit of shopping. Well, I did more shopping... Did I do any shopping today? I did not do shopping today, but I did all day shopping yesterday. Yeah. And that was, mm-hmm. uh, that was crazy because we were shopping for baby stuff. It's getting really real. You, you know what that's like. Yeah. yeah. It's real. It's been really real for a long time <laughs> over here. <laughs> but just so that first real. experience, right? Of <laughs> like you go out and, like like we had to pick up a ton of stuff and it was like so much money and you're like like being a parent is yep. expensive <laughs> yeah yeah that's definitely the case there's like certain times in life right where it feels like every time you leave the house you end up spending a ton of money yeah. <laughs> like you can't leave home without <laughs> spending hundreds of dollars <laughs> and i found the other time was when you get a house right? yeah. you guys are kind of doing both, right? Yeah. You got a new house, you got a baby showing up pretty soon. <laughs> so, yep. Yeah. Yeah. We just kind of got first baby rolling. is the expensive baby. Cause you got to get all the baby stuff. And mm-hmm. then when you have the second baby, it's like, ah, they can just use all the sibling stuff. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's been quite amazing though. Like there has been a real outpouring of, of kindness and generosity from a lot of our friends, even from people that we are, we are friends with, but we haven't seen for a long time. Um, they just kind of picked up and they're like, Hey, I've got a ton of baby stuff. You want to use it? So it's been kind of cool, you know, having, you know, seeing the generosity of, of other people coming in, it's, it's been really neat. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Feel um, that village around you. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I don't know. Like being, being a dad kind of forces you to start also like doing a lot of introspection about the kind of legacy you want to leave for your children. Um, and like the kind of thing also being emo makes you introspect a lot too (laughs) which (laughs) (laughs) also being carmelite does as well so (laughs) so you've got the trifecta emo carmelite dad somebody's been looking at my recent spotify listens or something (laughs) Uh, yes too funny yes i have (laughs) 
Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, dude, like, um, <laughs> you've derailed the podcast. Congratulations. Sorry. I killed it. <laughs> um, but yeah, so, um, I don't know. Do you want to, we'll just kind of switch gears and talk about, uh, the fact that you <laughs> The best part is you had a perfect transition going into talking about this me without you thing. Yeah. And I'm just like, no, 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 Chris, wait a second. You're emo. It's so painfully true. That's the thing. Oh, no. Oh, geez, dude. Uh, so uh, no transition on this. Let's just talk about it. Me without you. My fav- One of my favorite bands one of your favorite bands. They yeah. just one announced. of the best bands that Chris introduced me to. Yes. Over the years. Yes. Um, well, 2005, I introduced you. No, probably 2004. I introduced mm. you. Um, yeah. cause that's when their most iconic album dropped on the world, which was catch for us. The foxes. Um, yeah. And, yeah. and that's uh, the one that you introduced me to. And then I went back to A to B life earlier. Yeah. Like later. <laughs> yeah. So, so sadly they have what just, an, what an amazing album that was. Yeah, dude. So good. So good. And, but yeah, they just recently announced that they're breaking up as a band, which we kind of saw that coming. Mm-hmm. I mean, they've been around for, many years um they've been around longer than approximately ten thousand years <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> so um so in honor of their uh forthcoming i don't know they they they're they're careful not to call it a breakup as a band but like their forthcoming death <laughs> what was it that just to go totally even further off topic yeah what was it five iron frenzy said like don't call it a breakup call it something else it was something outrageous like a disaster or like, <laughs> call, oh don't think of it as us breaking up think of it as like your dog being put down or something <laughs> like that <laughs> yeah yeah, dude. Oh, oh, man. But it, it kind of feels like that a bit, a bit. Um, I don't know if you feel kind of the same way, but but I definitely Except am the feeling band it. is too old to be a living dog. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Dogs don't live that long. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that makes me feel really bad. I have three dogs. Thanks for bringing that up. Now I'm all. Now I'm even more emo and introspective. <laughs> <Sorry>. Thanks. <laughs> Your dogs will die someday, and so will you. <laughs> oh no! Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, so in honor of their breakup, um, they re-released this new album on vinyl. Which I was late to the game in terms of collecting vinyl records. So when I got into it, they had already stopped printing this album on vinyl. And to get a copy of it was like 300 bucks 
because it was so rare. And so I just like hoped and prayed that they would someday, maybe even when they you know announced the breakup, would release their most iconic album on vinyl. And here we are. So, of course, they announced that they were going to be uh, dropping the news at midnight on Friday night. So I stayed up till midnight and like 12 o'clock on the dot, I ordered my my copy of the vinyl. So and it's a collector's edition. So it's like even more stupidly expensive. But this is a long segue into the fact that one of the things that I want to be able to pass down to my kids is this album. It's the one album that I've always wanted to have on vinyl and uh, because it was such a beautifully done album. I don't know, man. Like when I discovered this album, it made me yeah, love it's something music. Where, yeah. It, it's an album where there's, I find there's more and more depth to it when you listen to it. Yeah. There's so much to the lyrics and the, and the delivery too. Yeah. So great. Yeah. And uh, what was really cool is Mike and I have been friends for a very long time. And so obviously we were friends when this album came out and then 10 years later on their 10 year anniversary, they toured and we got to go and to the tour. At the show. Yeah. yeah. And so we got to hear the them play the album from front to back. And that was an experience too. Like happy memories, man. That was good times. Yeah. yeah. Those were good times. It was weird though, because it was like you, Julie, and I and and Brooke came along. But Brooke hadn't really been exposed to me without you to the degree that the three of us had. So it kind of felt like we were throwing (laughs) her right into the deep end, you know, like as soon as, as soon as Aaron Weiss, the lead singer began singing January, 1979, like the crowd exploded. It just like the room just shook and, and everybody just got so pumped. And like, I felt like Brooke was like, what is happening right now? Yeah, and you, me, and Julie are just kind of like belting out the lyrics. Yeah. Brooke's like, I don't know what's happening. Yeah. It's kind of like, um, I don't know if you've seen the uh, the comic with the aliens. Yeah, yeah. That one where it's like, I'm going to show you. Oh, yeah, you sent it to Father Steve. Where it's like, I'm going to show you this thing that's my favorite. And yeah. the aliens, like, the, the pressure to appreciate this is overwhelming. <laughs> I think that's how Brooke felt going to me without yeah. you with us. And we were all like, oh, this is the best band in the whole world and you're going to love it so much. And she's just like, what if it's not my favorite? Yeah. What if I don't love it as much as you guys? Am I still in? Am yeah. I still loved? Yeah. yeah it's so funny. Exactly. It's so funny. Yeah. yeah. Oh, man. The things we put Brooke through. I'm I'm not going to lie. Yeah. 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 But um yeah, so I don't know, like with that album in particular, like it made me fall in love with music in a whole new way. The album did at the time and still does help me to know myself better. Like every time I listen to it, I'm inspired to write poetry. 
without fail. Um, I'm always inspired. It's almost like scripture. Like I pick it up and I find something new, something fresh, and it helps me Mm. to know God better too. There are, there are so many allusions to God in that album that, yeah, it just, it inevitably raises your mind to something more transcendent. Like, um, it's so much scriptural content too. Yeah. um, in that album and really smartly put together. Yeah. It's almost like, uh, it's almost like reading some kind of commentary, uh, but yeah. in poetic form. Right. Yep. It's so yeah. true. It's so true. So, so yeah. So in this al- episode, we're going to be looking at music, um, in particular, its impact on our own lives and our faith. Um, and we're going to be looking into the question of the morality of modern music. So just for the record, it's not going to be like a deep dive into the realm of philosophy. Like we're not, we're not by any means real theologians here or, you know, nor are we spiritual directors or philosophers. Yeah, exactly. So um, we'll take a few glances along the way at philosophy and theology and whatnot. And Another thing too, this um, this podcast is not going to make the claim that all Catholics need to think or act the way that we do. This is not meant to be like that. Um, we're just ser- simply. But if you're cool, you will. <laughs> true, true. But we're simply sharing about something that we're passionate about and something that has greatly impacted our faith. Because I think, you know, no spoilers, but I really do think that if it wasn't for good music in my life. I don't know necessarily how my faith would have grown um, because I do see kind of the two things as being very interconnected from the very beginning. And I mean, Mike and I, for example, we even met within the context of music. You know, we, we were involved in music at our parish and it has been kind of I guess music has kind of been one of the many ingredients of the glue that has kept us together as friends. Cause there's always been that as a commonality between us. So yeah. Mm-hmm. So maybe we can uh, kind of kick it into high gear by first dedicating this episode to a very special person. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, so let's, maybe we let's can do this very important <laughs> dedication. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's in the context of our trip that we took this past summer, which we're going to talk a bit more yeah. about later. Yeah, but uh, on the way home, we uh, we stopped at PF Chang's, and it was fairly <laughs> late at night, right? Yeah, yeah, like it was kind of a late dinner. It was. Like probably like 10 o'clock or something yeah eight or nine yeah um, yeah sun was setting yeah. and it was just the, yeah. the restaurant really wasn't that full yeah yeah <laughs> so, it's like a sunday night or something uh, yeah so we want to dedicate this podcast to a hero yes a, a courageous young man that uh we encountered and were inspired by in this pf changs we have we have <laughs> been holding on to this story for four months or five months how long has it been yeah and july august uh, september since august five months right? basically yeah yeah 
<laughs> I get the feeling it's going to be one of those things where we're like, this is the best story ever. And five months later, it seems <laughs> underwhelming. Yeah. But in the moment, it was amazing. Yeah. Anyways. And it was just funny. Like I happened to catch a snatch of conversation from the booth behind Chris. We're sitting in a booth and there's another booth behind Chris. And the exact quote was something like, yeah, he's definitely one of my top three harmonica players. (laughs) (laughs) That was how it started. Yeah, And like, and I, at this time too, I'm also picking up on this and like, I see Mike's eyes and I, and he looks at me and I look at him and we're like, okay, let's stop talking. We're both just listening to this guy. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So he talks about this harmonica player that he's obsessed with. And then he started talking about progressive rock and stuff. Yeah. Like, uh, (laughs) but, but you have to understand this, this is a young man and he's on a date with a girl. Yeah. That's, that's so, so we were looking into each other's eyes listening and Chris couldn't see. Yeah. And I was looking over his head at the guy and I just looked at Chris and kind of whispered, like, he's on a date. <laughs> like, he's, <laughs> he's, <laughs> I just like to imagine that this guy is on a blind date yeah. and this is what he decided yeah. to try to woo this lady with talking about. He, this kid is Some pulling out progressive all the rock band. He is like and his favorite <laughs> harmonica players. <laughs> <laughs> it was just the best because we're just like this kid is going for it like this kid has no shame he's just he's like this he, is who i am if you dig it like this is this is it yeah, here it is <laughs> gonna lay it all out there yeah, yeah. no secrets after this it reminded <laughs> me of that um that little interlude in nerd out from Heath McNeese where Heath McNeese is on a date with a girl and he's talking to her about how cheesed he is that Tom Bombadil is not featured in fellowship of the ring in the movies, which he's totally right about. Yeah. And, and, and she's like going on and on and she's like, Heath, Heath. Oh my gosh, Heath. And at the end she's like, I think we need to see other people. (laughs) 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 Yeah. Uh, Yeah. So, thumbs up to that guy he oh yeah true hero. i mean it's totally possible that that was his wife and that's what they love i didn't see any talk about, but i did not see a i'm ring. just assuming <laughs> i'm just assuming this was a random blind date and that was his uh just his lead out because that yeah. that just makes it for me oh dude dude there was no ring I checked on the way out. I was I walked by and just kind of double take and just to double check. I was like, "There's no ring," so I'm like, "This this kid, is a true hero. This is that a confirms it. This is an a, just, Alexander uh, Shuguel of music. Yeah, he just <laughs> found that girl on Catholic Match, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, if we have any listeners in Lansing who enjoy harmonicas and prog rock. <laughs> thumbs up dude <laughs> we love you we- <laughs> be our friends play dungeons and dragons with us <laughs> this message brought to you by brooke uh, oh my gosh uh so yeah just it's such a great story so when this happened we were coming back from audio the audio feed music festival which is 
so technically it's a Christian festival, Christian music festival. They don't necessarily they kind of just call it, it a music festival, but it's a lot of Christian bands and yeah. a lot of Christian stuff going on. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's definitely Christian friendly. Um and yeah. so because the majority of the bands are Christians, you know. And yeah. um and the founders of it were were the guys who originally were helping with Cornerstone Festival back in the day, which was another music festival. And Cornerstone was specifically a Christian rock centered festival, right? Yeah. And it was, but it was more so geared to more eclectic Christian rock. Like it didn't, it wasn't like the more popular music festivals like Creation Fest or um, which kind of played the contemporary Christian music. You know, it was more like, yeah, just the harder bands within mm-hmm. the Christian scene. So, so yeah, so Mike and I went to Audio Feed Festival, but we did it kind of as a combination pilgrimage and, and music festival trip, as we tend to do um, with whenever we go on trips. We always try to find ways to really incorporate the faith into our, into our times away. We'll go to Mass. We definitely try to go to Latin Mass um, when we can. Um, if there's one in the area, uh, we find shrines and cathedrals and basilicas to visit. Yeah. So we just kind of incorporate that into it. So, yeah. So and it's kind of weird because it's so rare <laughs> for us as more traditional Catholics to show up in a place like that where there's there's the Liberty Spikes, you know, people with spiked hair. Yeah, their hair's all crazy and they're they dress all kind of craziness and I don't know. Like mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like it's it's not it something you has expect. The trappings of a way you'd expect at a metal show, right? Like yeah. or like an indie concert. There's yeah. That kind of subculture there too. Yep. Exactly. But it's not like everyone dressed in slacks and button up shirts. Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, it's true. I actually, I have a, I have a memory of Julie and I going down to Purple Door Festival and on our way down, we dropped by, oh man, I can't remember what the name of it. There used to be a very popular um, Catholic bookseller in minnesota i can't remember their name might come back to me anyway they they recently shut down but like very popular you know like they sell they sold old missiles and old you know roman breveries and things like that and so julie and i obviously wanted to visit this cool spot so we went in and we browsed around and we bought a couple things and on the way out the owner said so why are you guys here from Canada? And we're like, we're, we're actually attending this music festival. And he was like, kind of took a double take. and was like, why? <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> are right? you going so, there to preach to them to stop playing evil music? <laughs> exactly. You could kind of tell like the cogs are turning. And we're just like, yeah. yeah, we just really enjoy this kind of music. And we didn't really get into a big conversation, but I mean, it was obvious that we were trads, you know, that we in, we preferred the the Latin mass, the traditional liturgy, the, uh, you know, traditional devotions and, and 
traditional Catholic spirituality. We're Carmelites, but we still had this weird thing that they didn't seem to fit for him. So, but yeah, I don't know. Like it, it's weird kind of being like that, but I mean, for, for you and I in particular, I mean, this kind of connection with music goes back many years. And for me, I don't know uh, about you, but for me, when I started listening to this kind of music, it was around the same time as my conversion. So it, you know, I didn't necessarily get into a lot of bad music prior to that. Like I was pretty young. I still listened to some bad stuff and, and maybe we can talk about that a little later, but like when I started getting into music as kind of a pastime, as kind of like a, a passion, it, it was at a time when I was intentionally looking for good music. So, um, and, and Christian music in particular. Yeah, it was pretty similar for me. I did, uh, in high school, start getting into some of the like new metal stuff, like Linkin Park and stuff like that before really having the, the reversion and starting to get serious about the faith. So I know I got into some bad bands and there were CDs I had to throw out and stuff like that. Right. And definitely like some of the stuff I look back and I'm like, wow, why did my parents even let me buy this? (laughs) (laughs) Some of the stuff I think if they had known, they probably wouldn't have, but yeah, (laughs) there was definitely a big turnaround in which bands I listened to once the faith became a big part of my life. But the style of music at that time, like only got heavier, I think, (laughs) right? Like I was listening a lot of the a lot of the bad bands that I was listening to were kind of like the new metal rap core stuff. Like (laughs) Limp Biscuit is one of the like terrible bands that I listened to, like that style. But then once I started getting into Christian music, I actually listened to a lot heavier stuff Yeah, uh, toward the end of high school, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that, that was kind of the same for me too. Like it, I guess it started out in kind of the pop side of things. Cause at that time, like I was like 13, 12. So I was like, I was listening to things like. I listened to some NSYNC, some Backstreet Boys, like just whatever was on the radio at that time. And so like, I remember- Wait, are we in confession right now? I know, I know. But like, <laughs> I I remember being introduced by a girl, okay, by a girl um, who I was internet dating at the time through ICQ. I don't know if you remember ICQ, <laughs> but we, we met through ICQ. <laughs> and so- Pepperidge Farmer <laughs> Anyway, so we're, she and I were chatting through ICQ, and uh, she introduced me to Avalon, and so I started listening to Avalon because of a girl, and uh, yeah, she dumped me though, so I now hate Avalon. <laughs> but I mean, Makes it kind sense. of. But but here's the funny thing. So I, of my own choice, I listened to Avalon. But my mother introduced me 
to Petra. So Avalon was like poppy contemporary Christian music. My mom introduced me to Petra when I was 10, maybe nine. And like, I have specific memories of listening to the album more power to you by Petra by Petra. And, um, I actually own that album on vinyl now. It's pretty great. Um, <laughs> but but yeah, so I mean, my mom introduced me to heavier Christian music before I actually really got into it, which is funny and kind of weird. But yeah, but yeah, that's I, heavier in air quotes compared to like <laughs> Christian metal. But like, yeah, yeah. But compared to Avalon, it's much heavier. So yeah. So yeah. So, but that's yeah, really as funny. I as I got older, I did find I started getting into the heavier and heavier stuff, you know, started listening to skillet. And then, uh, from there blindside, that's heavy. Yeah. Blindside. And skillet's uh, so heavy. (laughs) Old skillet was interesting. They were definitely much different Mm -hmm. than they are now. And they definitely appealed to my sensibilities. Cause I, when I was younger, I used to listen to prodigy. Do you remember that band? Yes. I remember. Yep. I remember. Uh, I think they were on like Big Shiny Tunes. Yes, <laughs> one of the ones that I had on a cassette tape yeah, <laughs> as a yeah. kid. Wait, hold on. American listeners, do they even know what Big Shiny Tunes is? Oh, is that a Canadian thing? I thought that was from Much Music back in the day. Oh yeah, that, there's a good chance it is. Yeah. <laughs> so it was just like a best of current pop music type yeah cd that you could buy <laughs> yeah too funny. Yeah. yeah so like and prodigy <laughs> yeah so prodigy i was into and then that led into kind of an appreciation for skillet but kind of segueing back to you know talking about the impacts of bad music i remember as a kid there was a time when i rejected god And um, when I was, I know it sounds crazy, but I was like 10 years old and I basically rejected God in my life. And I remember that shortly after that time is when I started listening to Prodigy. And um, because one of my friends, one of my neighbors, who's a friend of mine, he enjoyed it and he was a little bit older than me. And so he introduced, introduced it to me. And I realized that I found in it something that I related to. Right. And it was sadness and anger. And, uh, and I didn't necessarily realize it, but I mean, as the more I listened to that kind of music, the more depressed and sad and angry I became very interesting anyway. Mm -hmm. So, so finding like after my conversion, right. I was like, no, forget that noise. I don't want to listen to prodigy anymore, but I found alternatives later on, but that's, that can be something we talk about later. Yeah, so I don't know, like kind of talking about music too, it. like just just a random quick thing. Like we I don't know about you, but I find that it's if we look at our kind of our history, music has been what's kind of binded us together as brothers. We so much of our friendship has music at you know, as a big part of it. I mean, even now we're in we're in a scola together, you know. So it's kind of cool that that's kind of the case yeah that's almost like the culmination of us being in various <laughs> bands and also life tea and tape church yeah. 
choirs and stuff. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. We've found our way to uh, a way better liturgical uh, <laughs> choir. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 So do you want to, do you want to hop and into the this next one? This one has way more whiskey too, which is great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you want to talk about like uh, kind of the heavier music and why it appealed and what might be yeah, sure. good and beautiful about it? Sure. Potentially. <laughs> yeah. Potentially. Sure. There's a, there's a few things that I thought about when I was kind of pondering this. The first thing that pops into my head is, and this is like mostly where I listen to music is while I'm working. Mm. And it's almost like a musical coffee when I, you know, need to write some code, put on some, uh, some background music and certain bands kind of get you pumped up and feeling the energy to do some work. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, I find a lot of like heavier music is good for that, especially ones with little to no lyrics. Yeah. Just to kind of instrumentally like have a, a strong rhythm kind of make you feel energized it's almost like martial like military marching music right mm. kind of keep the troops energized and moving right i kind of find it the same kind of thing when i'm trying to focus on writing code at a computer and otherwise i might be falling asleep right <laughs> my keyboard you know so yeah and that way it, it can be good like to encourage you to do virtuous work you can use it as a tool in that way right can, um, but but maybe adversely can we can we mention the adverse to that that can definitely be a double-edged sword yeah because i think there can be kinds of music that people listen to and that i've listened to in the past that has energized me but towards things that are not good so mm-hmm. it the reason why it energizes me is because it makes me angry it gets my adrenaline pumping yeah. because I'm angry and I want to put a hole in the wall. I remember as a kid, mm-hmm. uh, as a teenager, I had a friend of mine who, you know, we were hanging out and I went up to his bedroom and we were going to play some PS2 and he had punched a hole in the wall and like a huge hole. And I was like, why'd you do that? And he said, I was listening to Lincoln Park. And I was like, mm. you're just listening to Lincoln Park and you did that? It's like, yeah, it just got me jacked up and I put a hole in the wall. You know? So there can mm. be that that inverse kind of uh effect too, right? It can either move yeah. you towards something that is good, like good and wholesome work, or yeah. to punch a hole in your wall, or to punch a hole in your friend. Or, you know, yeah. <laughs> I, I had some negative experiences looking back with Lincoln Park too. specifically <laughs> same band. Really? Like, Weird. And I remember cause a lot of, I was really into them as a teen and like early high school. And a lot of the content is about like being sad and depressed and stuff like that. Right. And 
it's kind of one of those things where maybe writing it is cathartic for people or like listening to it you can explore those things but for me it was wallowing in negative emotions Mm -hmm. when like you know you're a teenager and a girl just broke up with you or something and then you listen to emo songs and you (laughs) just kind of wallow in sadness and anger and stuff like that totally understand that although i never punched a hole in the wall um (laughs) probably because i was a weak nerd Mm. (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah it's the same kind of thing right yeah and that goes for lots of different music styles not just heavier ones but music affects us emotionally right Mm -hmm. so and throughout human history that effect has been something that we've had to wrestle with using for positive or negative right right like like i mentioned the the kind of I don't know, military application. Um, but yeah. Yeah. I I think, yeah. Like, so I was reading a quote from, from Benedict the 16th. So he was talking about beauty and he was saying how indeed an essential function of genuine beauty as emphasized by Plato is that it gives man a healthy shock. It draws him out of himself, wrenches him away from resignation and from being content with a humdrum. It even makes him suffer, piercing him like a dart, but in so doing, it reawakens him, opening afresh the eyes of his heart and mind, giving him wings, carrying him aloft, right? So in the case that you're, what you're talking about there, right, where the music forced, you know, helped to lead us into self self hatred uh to depression sadness into wallowing in our own sin whatever it be the question is was that true and you know beautiful music that we were listening to and if we look at that kind of um litmus test we could say no that wasn't beautiful yeah because it did the very opposite it didn't awaken us to to live a better life, it kind of forced us to go into our own sin and sadness and just stay there. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's a good way of looking at it. Yeah. I, I wanted to talk about how like getting into heavier Christian music, one of the things that really attracted me to it was the, uh, the way it preached Christianity and how mm. it was, so like open honest like brutally honest and preach the gospel without watering it down without like any political correctness yeah that really appealed as a young man right yeah so and refreshing you, and you to don't see. you don't see that in a lot of contemporary christian music it's kind of fluffed up a bit it's kind of sappy mm-hmm. in a way but in those heavier scenes, you definitely see more of that raw kind of preaching. Yeah. And this is something I think 
we were kind of starving for that <laughs> exists a lot more in the traditional devotion of the church, but not in modernist <laughs> preaching and liturgy and devotion and and in the culture at large, right? Everything's political correct, politically correct. Everything is uh, safe and anything that's outside the realms of what polite society wants is canceled and you can't go there. Right. But in metal, like the culture is that you can say anything and like go ahead and shock people, which can be really bad. I mean, there's tons of bands out there being super blasphemous and terrible. Um, but they're the Christian bands are a lot of the time preaching the gospel in a hardcore and unashamed way. And it's beautiful. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I wanted to like give an example. If you think I'm just going to go for it. Yeah. We have this song, which we, we kind of, laugh at and appreciate in our group because <laughs> it has this one line and we always kind of juxtapose this Protestant uh, Christian metal band against Bishop Barron and <laughs> kind of the, uh, like the modernist Balthazarians and stuff. Yeah. And it's funny, like you, <laughs> it's this heavy kind of, uh, I guess, hardcore type yeah. song and then there's this part in the song where every all the instruments cut out and you just hear the guy scream universalism is a lie <laughs> it's so awesome <laughs> to hear like, yeah i love it <laughs> yeah and like the lyrics around this i'll quote just for context the full lyrics are king father god most holy christ Truly, I tell you, he is coming back for his bride, not a whore. Universalism is a lie. <laughs> Whilst there's breath in your lungs, pray for cleansing. Yeah. Now, imagine like Hillsong singing this. Right? Yeah, it's you can't like it's yeah. the music itself does not facilitate that kind of preaching. Yeah. It's just, you can't. And yet this kind of language in the old Testament would be totally like, <laughs> yeah, totally at home. Yep. You know, I mean, it's, or even it's at new, home in the saints. <laughs> it's at home with the saints, yeah. man. Like, yeah. Yeah. There's, there's so many bands that, that we've seen, which I mean, it's been kind of cool to see the impact that they've had. Like when I think about bands like for today, um, as an example, mm -hmm. you know, standing in a crowded bar, you know, in this basement bar and these guys get up in a scene where, you know, there are other secular bands playing before them and they get up and they're basically preaching to the entire room to repent. We talk about, you know, you hear, our, you know, the Holy Father talking about we have to go to the peripheries and reach out to the, to those on the outskirts and da, 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 da. And you know, I don't see the church doing that in this kind of way. 
this is one of the hardest yeah. places and the place where they would probably be, be afraid to be uh <laughs> ganked <laughs> they'd they'd be afraid they'd be beaten up for this kind of stuff but i mean the thing is the dudes from for today walk in they are real they are who they are they don't exist anymore as a band uh, sadly but they just they didn't make any excuses they just got up there and they preached the gospel and they did it with boldness and you know they might have gotten some people who were pissed at them but i i haven't heard any stories of any backlash from their preaching at shows i've only heard of people coming up to them afterwards and being like thank you i want to i want to become a christian which is kind of mm-hmm. cool you know you have to admit that that's kind of cool so but again i don't think that's necessarily a a valid argument for why christian heavy music is good but i think it's it's a and just a point of uh for us of why it has been so um there's been such a good impact in our lives from yeah it. it's because it's, of that it's definitely that not a uh it's definitely not a philosophical argument but yeah it's the there's fruit there right like, yeah it's yeah and and you brought up a really valid point like at a time especially when we were starving for that witness of the gospel we knew that the catholic faith was the one true faith you know we knew that the teachings of christ and the church were true so it wasn't like we were being led astray into protestantism but we did need kind of that boldness to inspire us I, I don't know mm-hmm. if that's true for you, but I would say for me, I say for Julie, it was just, it was so needed because we were so Absolutely burnt out from the, me. the lackadaisical approach of bishops, priests, cardinals, everyone popes, <laughs> Lady. Uh, who just didn't, didn't Popes. preach. Yeah. Yeah. So that's about it for that. Yeah. Topic. One, one thing that you did, did you say talk- in the show notes, I did want to, Um, point out too you're saying that heavy music can be manly in a few ways that set it apart from other modern music i think that's a really good point Mm -hmm. like the complexity the the amount of work that it takes for these guys to get so good at their craft that Mm -hmm. like i remember going to see for example animals as leaders and they're not a christian band they play pretty much all instrumental i i don't know if they have any yeah completely instrumental they've never had lyrics yeah and but it's insane like it is insane and and it in watching these guys get up and play no it's not chant and it's not meant to be chant but it is something that inspires us to be stronger to do better at the things in our life that are set before us we're like look at this guy <laughs> like, yeah like, you know and i can't even you know like i need to be better at my job like i need to be better at being a husband being a father you know i need to fix the dang fridge i, I you know like <laughs> i need to do better yeah. at life because this guy 
is obviously doing it. And uh, yeah, and it it's amazing. Just absolutely. Yeah, there's something amazing. about seeing a guy who spent 10,000 hours mastering an instrument and playing it just to an incredible degree. It's, yeah, so inspiring. Yeah. And, and that's something that I think modern music outside of the metal scene has lost yes. completely. Like it exists in classical music. It exists in like the Latin mass liturgical music and stuff. And, uh, but it doesn't exist in modern pop music. It doesn't exist in, uh, you know, folk music at your local Nova Sordo. It doesn't exist in Matt Marr type life team music. <laughs> but it does exist in heavy music. Yeah. It does exist in like progressive rock and stuff. Mm hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's not to say that these other artists like Matt Marr aren't good at what they do or whatever, but I've never been to a Matt Marr concert, and I have been to one, um, and actually I've been to two, I think. I've never been to them and gone, whoa, that guy. <laughs> so inspired yeah. i'm gonna go he's home so and, good at playing those chords yeah that four <laughs> chord progression so sick yeah it it just doesn't to the same degree but i mean when like going to animals and leaders for example it also kind of opens up kind of your if if you allow it to it raises your mind to the complexity of god to the beautiful things that mm -hmm. he can do that he only he can do. I mean, he is the he is the master musician. Creation is a beautiful symphony that he has created mm -hmm. and that is all singing praise to him and you know just this yeah, microcosm on like how, you know, the details of how he created sound and your ears to be able to like uh, appreciate the subtle differences in these different notes and rhythms and how your brain can <laughs> appreciate all this. Yeah. It's pretty amazing. Yeah. There is a really interesting quote here that, um, again, from Benedict the 16th, he said, art in all its forms at the point where it encounters the great questions of our existence, the fundamental themes that gives life its meaning can take on a religious quality thereby turning into a path of profound inner reflection and spirituality, right? So he says art in all its forms. So that includes music, right? So, you know, the fact mm. that you can experience these moments where you start considering the transcendent beauty of God um, instead of wallowing in yourself, right? And, mm -hmm. and again, I'm not, we're not saying that, you have to feel the exact same way that we do, but this is just the kind of subjective experience that we've had, or at least that I've had when going mm -hmm. to these kinds of uh, events and seeing this kind of uh, skill and, and mastery. Yeah, absolutely. So you want to move ahead? <laughs> <laughs> I, I just <laughs> saw in the show notes, your note on syncopation. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> actually you know before we move ahead uh, something else that um i wanted to point out too so 
if you listen to bands like Animals as Leaders, it's another band like Animals as Leaders. Uh, can you think of another band like a lot of technicality, something like Dream Theater or yeah, yeah, they're not instrumental. Yeah, for that kind of thing. Yeah. So um, this quote comes from Father Basil Cole. He's a Dominican, I believe, out of the Washington province, and he uh, he wrote a dissertation called The Moral and Psychological Effects of Music, a Theological Appraisal. It's really, really good. We'll include it in the show notes. But he says about Boethius, he says, Boethius was the cause of many ecclesiastics, believing that the more one follows the mathematical rules of music, the more indicative music is of the moral life, breaking the so-called laws of music an occurrence which takes place in the history of music over the centuries will usually he f- be frowned upon by the past moralists among the early centuries, perhaps as a sign of breaking natural laws themselves. But as we saw in the early 12th century, musicians were no mathematicians and therefore became prone to breaking all kinds of rules to create the music form called the motet. This creative process has continued until the present day, sometimes with great success and sometimes with great failure. So yeah, just like the fact that the closer music form is to to mathematics, <laughs> the more uh, the more indic- <laughs> indicative it is of the moral life, according to Boethius, right? So like listening to something like Animals and Leaders when you're like, oh my gosh, like what is happening here? It's all math. Like there's so much math happening right now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like the time signatures and things like that. It's, yeah. it, it's, it's neat. It's a thing where they're playing with the math all the time, right? With yeah. Weird time signatures and tempo changes and stuff like that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Do you want to talk about the uh, coffee thing? Go for it. So Yeah talking about the morality of music in and of itself i think we've talked before on the podcast about uh the morality of certain types of music or maybe most of that was kind of off the record with boniface yeah maybe but i was reading uh boniface aka unum sanctum catholicum blogger great guy who was interviewed in season one reading his articles on Christian rock and syncopation and kind of a funny comparison struck me. Maybe this is just me being dumb comparing this, but (laughs) I I thought about coffee and (laughs) maybe it's related to how I kind of think about music as my coffee for work. (laughs) But um, when coffee came to Europe, it was very frowned upon by faithful Christians and very suspect probably for good reasons. Cause you know, you've got this weird, strange, bitter drink coming out of Arabia. It seems kind of like a drug. It makes your heart race. It makes you feel different. And you know, it's coming out of the uh, foreign lands of, a violent people who's been invading all over the world, who's threatening to conquer Europe. You know, they follow this outrageous heresy called Islam. They, you know, they're, you know, 
the stories are all about them being rife with violence and sexual immorality. And here's this export from their lands that you should drink, you know? (laughs) (laughs) So of course the pious Christian is going to be very suspicious of this drink with good reason. And I definitely feel like there's some justified hesitation on the part of good Catholics toward heavy music. Cause yeah, look at where rock came from and the early bands that espoused it, that were deeply involved in the sexual revolution. A lot of them were involved in the occult and there continues to be a ton of bands in the heavy music scene that are into the occult, anti-Christian, blasphemous, satanic very bad stuff even even the most recent or not the most recent but the recent black mass that happened in ottawa was held in the heavy metal bar in ottawa yeah a place where they do metal concerts and stuff yeah yeah Yeah. but i think much like coffee it's the the actual substance of the thing is not bad You know, like the substance of coffee, totally a uh, good thing if used correctly, right? And I think it can be similar with certain sounds that are used in heavy music, certain rhythms like even syncopation, which is uh, often singled out as the the bad guy. Um, Yep. (laughs) And if you read... We'll we'll drop Boniface's blogs in the show notes where They're he kind so of good. exposes some of the pseudoscience that's been used to say that syncopation has a bad effect on human body. But uh, I think it's a similar thing. Like there's a healthy hesitation towards the thing, but the thing itself is not actually bad. Yep. That's the position I take anyway. Yeah. And again, it's this is not a matter of saying, okay, well, this is what we feel, therefore you should feel it too. You know, yeah. like like Boniface says in his blog too, Catholics are free to feel how they feel about this because there's not really a definitive teaching on it. And but I think, you know, really in all things, right, there is that need for discernment and to be intentional with the music you're listening to because there can become an unhealthy attachment even to good christian music saint john of the cross kind of makes reference to these attachments uh in his ascent of mount carmel Uh, father mark foley talks about that in his commentary on it he says you know that say for example you're listening to music and you it it's raising your mind and your heart to god and you are you know experiencing the benefit of that music then that's a good and holy thing but let's say for example you're listening to the music and suddenly your your mind starts daydreaming you start envisioning yourself in a band and you want to see yourself on that stage receiving the praise of the crowds and you you know you want to be so good at the you know, want to become so good at playing a guitar or the drums or whatever that you know you receive all the praise and adulation that you can he says at that point turn it off 
because it is no longer doing doing the thing that it should be doing, right? Which is which is reminding you of God and helping you to understand yourself. It is now making you want things that aren't real and becoming prideful or becoming whatever, right? And so yeah, and that can happen whether you're listening to Christian music or you're listening even to Gregorian chant. Uh, you know, there there's the potential that you could start listening to Gregorian chant and you start thinking to yourself, especially if you're a guy like like me who's in a scola, you start saying, "Why why am I not very good at this? You know, I should be better. I need to, you know, and uh and and say so you start falling into self-pity or whatever. Um, why am I why can't mm-hmm. I play the organ as good as Teresa or why can't I do this or why can't I do that? And at that point, turn it off. It it's no longer praising God. It's just causing you to become like self-centered and um even though yeah. it's a good thing. So yeah, mm-hmm. be intentional with the music that you consume. Um yeah, don't be slothful about it, but be intentional. And it it actually does take virtue to do that. Um, it is a practiced yeah. habit. It's not easy. I will tell you firsthand, it is not easy. Uh, when I read that thing from Father Mark Foley, I found myself incredibly challenged. Uh, and how dare yeah. you? Um, but yeah. <laughs> it, it's it's true. Because the end goal of music really should be to raise our minds and hearts to God and to the eternal beatitude of heaven. And I think inevitably it should lead us to silence. It should lead us to reflection. Um, I think it's kind of interesting that you kind of see this even uh, mirrored in our own liturgies, uh, especially in the traditional uh, Latin Mass, right? There's the beautiful hymns, the different propers, and then silence at the most important part, right? At that time when God becomes truly physically present to us, it is silent. You know, St. John of the Cross said that God spoke only one word and he spoke that in silence. So, you know, yeah, I don't know. Like, I think music is meant to lead to that, that place, where there's no more music and it moves us towards charity and love of God and and love of neighbor. Yeah, absolutely. I had a couple of thoughts. (laughs) Oh, the first thing I was going to say is um, in along the lines of consuming music intentionally, virtuously music is, I think a good subject of penances and fasting as well like if you're looking for something to give up for lent a certain type of music that you enjoy uh, or something to give up during advent because it's a penitential season hashtag okay catholics (laughs) yeah the other thing is it's a funny when you're mentioning uh how music naturally ends in silence and contemplation it's a funny um contrast with the things you hear in pop music one of the biggest themes in like dance music 
and pop music is how we're never going to stop partying. We're never going to stop playing music. We're never going to go to sleep. (laughs) We're going to party all night. We're going to party all day. We're never going to stop ever. Yeah. (laughs) Ever, ever, ever. Because if we stop, we might have to think about what we're doing with our life. Yeah. That's the subtext that I hear. <laughs> yeah. but, you know, like we're just going to keep drinking. We're just going to keep dancing. We're just going to keep partying. That's it. Yeah. Nothing else. There's nothing else beyond that. Who cares if you make terrible decisions because there's nothing else other than dancing and partying going right. on. <laughs> That's yeah. just the complete opposite of like a healthy appreciation of music that leads you to silence and contemplation of truth and beauty goodness yeah even though i don't uh support the entire um catalog of theology and works by this author i found this quote incredibly interesting when it when thought about in the context of the traditional latin mass um and this is by hans Urs von balthazar um, this is dedicated to our good friends in Catching Foxes. Um, <laughs> so he said, <laughs> but, but listen to this quote. It's actually good. He said, <laughs> beauty is the word with which we shall begin. Beauty is the last word that the thinking intellect dares to speak because it simply forms a halo, an untouchable crown around the double constellation of the true and the good and their inseparable relation to one another. He then adds, beauty is the disinterested one without which the ancient world refused to understand itself. A word which both imperceptibly and yet unmistakably has bid farewell to our new world, a world of interests, leaving it to its own avarice and sadness it is no longer loved or fostered even by religion. And he concludes, we can be sure that whoever sneers at her name as if she were the ornament of a bourgeois past, whether he admits it or not, can no longer pray and soon will no longer be able to love. End quote. I read that and I was like, this is, this is why we love the Latin Mass. Right, yeah. because it it is beautiful. It the music is beautiful. Everything about it is beautiful, and and it's the antithesis for what's going on in the world today, and especially in the the Novus Ordo Church. Maybe we can kind of jump off this into the recent news. Um, so right now, uh, I believe they're just finishing up. Um, we're recording this on November 23rd. So they're just finishing up the National Catholic Youth Conference in Indianapolis. And so they, um, they hold the event in a stadium of, uh, in the Lucas Oil Stadium, which holds like, 25,000 people so it, it's and it's normally packed but long story short so a huge contingent of the young people from that conference the National Catholic Youth Conference um, which is a Novus Ordo through and through conference the lights the sound it's very Protestant looking it doesn't really look like true Catholicism at all it's built in the round and 
you know, everybody's facing each other and yeah. Anyway, so long story short, a large contingent of young people flooded in from this conference, uh, flooded into one of the um, archdiocese's largest churches. Um, so Father John Hallowell, um, a priest in that diocese, um, tweeted this out uh, just earlier today, where he said, praying that NCYC recognizes that today's solemn Latin high mass filled one of Arch Indy's largest churches to overflowing, and that most priests here at NCYC are talking about taking their kids elsewhere in the future unless the stadium paraliturgies, end quote, move toward tradition. So the movement of traditionalism is growing and mm-hmm. i think there is there is a clear reason why these kids went from the banal liturgies of the ncyc and went in search of the true the good the beautiful right you might be able to hear good preaching at ncyc i don't know i know that there's a few good people there right now apparently there was some good talks and preaching from what i heard yeah but again yeah but there's also these doesn't uh, negate the point (laughs) yeah (laughs) and as well at this ncyc event there was (laughs) a fortune teller do you want to talk about that yeah so crazy and apparently this was uh shut down by the ncyc organizers after people saw it and complained to them but apparently there was someone claiming to be a nun i'm not sure <laughs> if that was the case maybe it is but someone doing fortune telling at ncyc set up with a booth with a table and a crystal ball and just like you know, dressed like you would imagine a, a fortune teller with like a big colorful shawl on and stuff and just doing fortune telling and the sign up saying like fortune tellers, like fortune telling by a sister led by the Holy spirit. What? Yeah. How does that even happen? Yeah. I, I mean, I can to a degree be charitable and say it's a huge conference. Maybe they, a sister wants to set up a booth and they don't ask too many questions. And then when they found out what it was, they ended up shutting her down, which is good. Yeah. But wow, that is just. It's insane. It's insane. So, you know, I think if anything, NCYC should be something that you'd be very cautious of if you are sending your children there. But it is also encouraging to know that there was a large contingent of young traditional Catholics who were like, we're out and went and went to the solemn high mass uh, in the, in the traditional Latin mass form. So, yeah. Yeah. That's the big positive, right? Thousands of teens probably experiencing the Latin mass possibly for the first time. Right. Yeah. It's a big deal. That's going to change you. You know, when you see what, uh, has been destroyed it's hard to unsee exactly go back you know it's hard to to see the beauty of that liturgy and then think oh yeah this is better 
somehow. Yeah. So maybe this helps. We don't know. (laughs) 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 It's kind of us just uh, discussing candidly about our experience about uh, with music, right? It's, it's not, Yeah, let us know what you think. If if you still disagree, let us know. If you agree, let us know. Um, yeah, yeah, we'd love to discuss, even if you disagree with us. Yeah, I mean, our last two episodes have basically been like, let's take the things about us as trads that are most likely to trigger our fellow trads and talk about D and D and then heavy metal. Yeah, and uh, then yeah. no one will listen to us anymore. <laughs> so. Yet our numbers are going up, up. I don't know. We'll see. We'll just go back to normal trad stuff after this episode. Yeah, yeah, exactly, (laughs) exactly. If there's any real takeaway, I don't know, what would you say the takeaway from this episode should be, Mike? I think it's really the, the idea of being intentional with music and looking for the true, the good, and the beautiful. I don't want to try to evangelize people to listen to heavy music. If they don't, that's hundred percent fine. But the more important point is to uh, use it to grow in holiness, just like anything else in life. That's it. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, Maybe before we, we roll out, I just want to quickly give a quick shout out to our good buddy, Yoana on our facebook page was super kind and left us a sweet review so thank you very much Ioana. she said about us she said fantastic candid conversations that i would love to be right in the middle of so it is certainly wonderful to listen to they cover all sorts of interesting topics with quirky little nerdy sidetracks Hey, we don't have nerdy sidetracks. Thinks back on this episode we just recorded. Yes, we do. <laughs> An entire nerdy sidetrack. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> this whole episode is a nerdy sidetrack. Yeah, it is. <laughs> She's so, uh, so right. Yeah, she really is. Thank you for the review, Joanna. <laughs> yeah, you're really sweet. Thanks so much. Um, so yeah, we'd love for you to leave a review for us. If you're a Facebook person, uh, leave us a Facebook review there. You could do it on iTunes as well. We'd really appreciate it there because it helps us to get noticed in the podcast list on iTunes. So the more reviews we get, the more the more likely they'll put us up in, in recommended and things like that. Yeah. So, dude... What should we expect next week? What do you think? Possibly the inter- is it Brooks interview next week? Yeah, yeah, an interview not by Chris. It's my lovely wife Brooke. She's growing up so fast. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> interviewing. It's I think it's David Rummelhoff. I might be saying the name wrong, but David, the founder of Peter Square and online shop for catholic makers kind of similar to an Etsy, but for uh, catholic stuff and founder of a couple of other new online catholic businesses that are up and coming so really cool guy and uh should be a great conversation yeah definitely something to listen to as we're coming into the biggest consumer time of the year uh, Christmas shopping and all of that. So, 
yeah if you want to learn about really cool catholic businesses definitely check that out yeah so it'll be live next wednesday yeah besides that yeah i don't i don't think we've got any other news if you've made it to the end of this god bless you you you've done it yeah and And if you're chris and you've made it to the end of editing this episode god bless you (laughs) (laughs) and i'm sorry (laughs) we made it though so it's good it's good okay well from uh, all of us here at theology of the buddy stay tratty thanks so much for listening to today's podcast i really hope you enjoyed listening to it as much as i did what impact has music had on your life what kind of music do you enjoy listening to and why we really want to know so message us on facebook or dm on instagram at theology of the buddy find us on twitter at trad friends or email us at theology of the buddy at gmail.com you can also send us a voicemail via facebook messenger If you like what you heard today, please consider subscribing to us on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you listen to great podcasts. Would you also please consider rating and reviewing us on iTunes? We'd greatly appreciate it as it helps us to get noticed within the larger podcast community. Next week, Brooke interviews David Rummelhoff founder of Peter Square, an online marketplace for Catholic makers, and discusses with him a wide variety of topics surrounding Catholic entrepreneurship. Make sure you're subscribed so you can listen as soon as the episode is out. We'll save you a seat at the table. New episodes are released every Wednesday, so until then, stay tratty!